0: Well, I enjoyed that, didn't you? We always enjoy the children's church. We all are little children before God, and I pray that the Lord will always remind us of that. Thank you, Brother Casey. Thank you for singing this morning. I always uh, love to hear those hymns, uh, especially How Great Thou Art. It's really a place that resonates in my heart. Uh, that song was sung at, when Penny and I's son, John, passed away at two years old. And that song was sung as we left the church. And I uh, never will forget that because, and I say that to you because I'm talking today about the sovereignty of God and what that means, and that song elevates the sovereignty of God, and we need the sovereignty of God when we're broken. That's when we need it. We need sovereignty of God when we're scattered and we fearful. We need to be reminded of that. Now, it's not very popular, this business subject of the sovereignty of God. It's not. Because it goes directly against the flesh. It does. Because we like to be in charge. We like to think that we're just uh, about our business. We make our own decisions. We can accept Jesus if we want to or not. And we just have, have a religion and kind of take it and come and go. That's why the world is in such a mess today. Our world, as you know, uh, has gotten away from the Word of God. I appreciate Casey building the children's service on building your foundation or your house up on the right foundation. We sing America the Beautiful, but, you know, I wonder if America is beautiful. I would like to say she is, but nothing, my friends, is beautiful if it's not based on the Word of God. A marriage, a business, a church, It might make us feel good temporarily, but the Word of God is where true beauty is. And this country was built on the Word of God. It was settled with a broad axe and a King James Bible. America was. and When we get away from that, we get in a situation, as we see, where there's no reverence. We're living in that kind of time. We have no Reverence for any irreverence is rampant. And that's what leads to chaos and ultimately to atheism. Okay? So what I want to try to do today is remind us of the importance of the sovereignty of God's Word. Because God's Word is God. Remember the people wanted to know who He was and Moses asked God, Who do I say that you are? And he says, Tell them, God did to Moses, I am that I am. So God's word is God. So when we look at God's word and hear it and read it, it's the same as this is what God says. But I think, and I know the world influences us. Even good folks like you all, if we're not careful, we have a leak and we are get influenced by the social media, by the news, by friends, by society, and the worldview. For example, the word supremacy. I'm going to mention that today, but that word throws up a red flag in our culture today because nobody wants to say they're supreme. Be careful because you will be a racist. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you today from God that He is supreme. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And white supremacy or black power or anything in between makes no difference, has no power with God. He's in control of all. And I think when we can fall in that, we can be comforted in knowing that God is in control. One of the blessings that I think I've had and I hope you have in our situation and in our world today is knowing that God is in control. I don't understand it all. By the way, I want to ask that question to you. Do you believe that God is in control of the world today? Now, I know that we believe He's in heaven and He rules there, but do you believe that He rules in the affairs of this world? Now, that's really important because it's important to understand that God is sovereign and that God is over all, not just Christians, not just America. But over all nations, over all, even the heathens and all, even the devil, God has on a rope. And so, I pray that God will bless us to see that. I want you to go with me today in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23. Here's the weeping prophet, weeping because God's people have gotten away from God's Word. And when people get away from God's Word, they get away from God. And when you get away from God, you get away from life. And when you get away from life, you get into death. And sin, and sin is what separates. Separates families. Separates churches. Separates our joy and our faith. In fact, I'll be willing to say, if you've ever had fellowship with God, and I know you have, have. But if you've had fellowship with God and you've lost it, really, you don't know what fellowship is until you get it again. See? Because sin is the thing that hurts believers. It does. And so what a blessing it is to see that truth is what makes us free. And so may the Lord bless us to see that. Well, in Jeremiah 23, the very verse that I wanted to use from that Chapter is verse 29. And let's go into it right now. And then I want to talk just a moment about the context as I understand it anyway from this part of Scripture. God is really clear, but he's blunt sometimes, okay? He says this, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Now, here God uses the analogy of two uh, phenomena or or, or forces, if you will, that have much, much power, fire and a hammer. And God says, is not my word like that fire and like that hammer? Now, what I want to try to do with that is, is take that because I see in my little mind, it kind of reminds me of a blacksmith, okay? What that guy does, as I understand, is he takes, he takes metal and he heats it really hot and he knows just how to do it. And then he takes a hammer and he beats on it, not to let out his frustrations, but to shape it and mold it into something he wants it to be, something useful. And then he dips it in some water and shocks it. And then he's preparing it for the, for the use that God has given it, okay? So I want us to see that, and I want to use a verse that I think describes God in that way after a while. But before this, I want us to see this business of God's Word. We, we're dealing with this series, as you know, Thy Word. It just got on my heart so big not long ago, and I have to deal with it when God deals with me, or at least try to. Thy word we talked about a couple Sundays ago shows us the way and we've been singing that every Sunday. The lamp and the light is from God. If your way is cluttered and you don't seem like you are making much progress this Word of God is where you're going to find the light to deal with it. Okay and then last Sunday we we saw that God's Word singes our sins. You get into this book uh, you won't be as inclined to sin as we normally do. We won't. That's how this book works. It's, it's alive. This is a living word. It's, it's not some academics. Now, we did emphasize, and I want to remind you, the Word of God is just not words. It's just not 66 chapters, 800,000 plus words. That's just written to learn and, and repeat like a parrot, parrot or something and, and learn how to write like the scribes and know like the Pharisees. The Word of God has to have the Spirit along with it. Because it's not only the letter, but it's the Spirit of it that makes it powerful. That's why only a believer that's born again, a person that's born again, can see the glimpses of the revelation of God's Word. You won't know it all. We won't have perfect knowledge. But it's really clear to me, where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can He know them because they are spiritually discerned. You need to thank God if you have a love for this book that God has saved you by His grace, that God has given you that spirit of burning that, that He will use to grow your life. And we've got to continue to use it and bless us because God will give us opportunity. Every know, ever know that God not only blesses us, but He will test us. And He will test us with His Word. He says in Psalms 138, verse 2, that he magnifies his word above his name. That's what God thinks about this word. And he will let us live a life to see what do we think about it. What do you think about God's word? Is it more important than what your friends think? Of their inclinations, of what you feel, okay? I want to remind us that God's word is not a value. It's not. God's word is a fact. See, the world we're living in, uh, this um, so-called, uh, uh, I, don't know how, I don't even know what you'd call it, but whatever it is <laughs> will tell us that, that it's value. You know, religion is a value. That's just your values. Mine might not be that. No, that's not what God's Word is. God's Word is more powerful than that. God's Word is a fact. Now, whether you believe it or not, it's a fact. And whether you believe it or not, God is sovereign. That means that nothing can thwart God's plan and his purpose. Not even you or me or Satan or the devil or China or anybody. So we see that and we bless that. So it singes our sin. And then today I'm going to talk about thy word is sovereign. And I think this verse implies that, don't you? But on the context of this, the context is false uh, preachers or false doctrine, uh, fake news, whatever it might be. The whole deal that Israel got into was that they believed lies. And when they believed the lies, they got into worshiping other gods. Okay? That's why we need to constantly... Get back in the truth of God. And I wanted to read a few verses to get to that. That's how, as you know, we normally find the context of a, one verse as we read before and after it. Oftentimes, that's a good way to do it. He says in verse 23, am I God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God far off? Something has gotten God upset. And what's gotten God upset is people that don't believe his word. Now, that's what God thinks about his word. It is so precious. God forbid that any of us deter from any of God's word being wholly inspired and from God himself. In verse 24, he says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? He's asking a lot of questions, God is. Can you hide from God? Sometimes I think we live like we think we can. Adam and Eve couldn't. They thought they could. God sees through our fig leaves. He does. God knows what we do in secret places. He knows every thought. And that ought to bow us down to understand his sovereignty. And says, do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. You can't get away from him. I have heard, in verse 25, what the prophet said. Now here it is. That prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed a dream. I mean, that's what they feel like. This is a vision. This is how it is. We've got a lot of dreamers uh, in Washington, D.C. today. We've got a lot of dreamers in the world. And what we need to understand is, is that based on God's word, how long shall this be, in verse 26, in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own hurt. What think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal? That's pretty much what's happening. They forgot God. They got into worshiping a false God. Getting away from God, you're going to get away from life and from truth. He is the only God, the only truth. Jesus Christ is the only way to God, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. There's there's no no matter what uh, 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 Mohammed says or or Buddha or John Smith or or whoever. We're going to have to understand you're going to have to take that narrow, straight gate road. And Jesus says that is the way. Now, if you want it, You take it because there's where you're going to find life, right there. All right. Then he says in verse 28 The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Now that's what we got to do. We got to be faithful to God's word because God is faithful to us. What is the chaff to the wheat? God says saith the Lord. You know, that's how you winnow the wheat. In the old times agriculture, you, you, you take it up, throw it up, and the wind blows the chaff. The part that's not any good away. But the part that really matters settles. That's what life does. We're constantly being winnowed in our life. And, and the chaff will be separated from the wheat. In time, it will. The truth will always come out because it is Victorious it has power it has strength there's no other so now I just wanted to say that for the context of our of our thoughts here today I do though want to take that verse 29 and I'll read it again is not my word like as a fire saith the Lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces now last week we dealt with God's word sent in our sins and I, I kind of dealt with fire on that. And that's how it is. I mean, you know, God God says in his word David through David he says, "How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to thy word?" That's what happened. I want to kind of deal a little more with the hammer part today, though they kind of go together, okay? Here again though, thy word is sovereign. When I think about a hammer, I think about something that never, ever wears out. You know, you'll never wear a hammer out. You might wear the handle out. You got it? You might break that, but you won't do much with that, ha- that hammer. You won't. That's how God is. I mean, God is that word of God. This little preacher, there's a lot I don't know. I mean, I- I'm pretty weak. I-, I am. I mean, I couldn't hardly talk last Sunday. I don't know if you were here. I mean, but, but it won't, it won't d- deter God's word. I mean, this handle is frail, but it won't wear out. God said, Jesus Jesus said, my word, says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Now, that's sovereign because that is understanding that God's word doesn't have a particular shelf life. God's word is eternal because God is eternal, okay? Okay? And so when you think about a hammer, we need to think about it as as an instrument that God uses. And I I know when we raise a hammer up, you put it above your head, it comes from above. God's word does, it's not man-made, it's not. And and so, you know, a hammer, you probably don't have a hammer uh, uh, in your trophy case. You probably don't have a hammer hanging on your wall anywhere. You probably don't even have a hammer on your ca- table or cabinets you're gonna put that hammer up because a hammer is not necessarily for beauty a hammer is not necessarily to be on display see a hammer is for work a hammer is for hammering out problems you got a, you got a problem in your life you hammer it out with God's Word okay I mean, you don't, you don't. You know, hammers are not something you just gloat over and say, you know, here's, here's my hammer. Come look at my hammer. You ever said that? You, you won't say it, will you? You won't. I mean, when, when you hear hammer, you think something's going on. Uh, not long ago, I was walking in my backyard, and I hear, hear hammers in the distance. And I, I, what happened, I look, because I knew something was being built. When you hear God's word going on in your life, you, you know, in your marriage, in your home, uh, in your church, in the communities, in a nation, something is being built. That's what a hammer does. God says, my word is like a hammer. And so I look and finally I noticed a neighbor away away off from is building a deck or something or back porch on their house. They got it done. And they did it they did it because of the hammers. You know, you could hear it. God's word is a hammer and in faith cometh by hearing uh, and hearing by the word of God and God has given us his word and so we see that in, in this hammer life you know I've got a wooden fence too in my back area and, uh, and nails are constantly coming out I don't know if the sun draws them out or whatever but, but I'll, I'll walk out and see these things just bowing you know and the nails coming out I have to take a hammer uh, I spend a, two or three hours the other day just going along the boards knocking those things in in your life you're going to have things that have held you together. I mean, your faith. See, because we're weak and human, you've got to get on God's word and knock it back in. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to tap it back. You've got to secure it because that's what a hammer does. It secures your truth in your life. And what a blessing that is to see that. Now, when you think about a hammer, you think that sounds pretty powerful, don't you? You know, I want us to think about the things I want to say quickly is this. One is, thy word is sovereign. That's our topic. And in view of that, then we can see that God's word meets our needs. First of all, that's my first point. He meets our needs. That's what a hammer does. We need a hammer. If you've got anything to build in your life, you're going to need a hammer of some sort, okay? God has given you his word. And he said you use it like a hammer. And the power of God's word is his sovereignty, his power. What does that mean? Look at Ephesians 1 verse 11 if you have any thoughts because sometimes I the, as I asked the question a while ago. go, who is ruling this world? God Is God ruling this world? Maybe it's what I said. But here's a verse that helps us settle that and hammer that down once those boards of our faith get a little bit limp and loose over time and circumstances. Here's that verse. In verse 11 of Ephesians 1, the scripture says, in whom also... We have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things. I want you to note that, who worketh all things after the counsel of His will. Now, that is none other than saying that God is sovereign because God's Word. God is working all things according to what he said. His counsel, that's how the birth of Christ came, the Savior. uh, That's what's happened all through life. When God created this world, he said, let there be light. And there was light, wasn't there? And God said, and he goes on in in Genesis, let there be waters and let there be firmament and the trees and life and all that. And God said, and it happened. Well, that Genesis is the basis of all of the Bible. That's what God said. That's what what God said because God is sovereign. If God says it, that settles it, okay? And so what we need to be understanding is then what does God say? What I'm afraid of is that we're listening either to other people or to ourselves. Do not listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. David gives an example of that, the old patriarch, Old Testament patriarch. He says, "I've lost all hope. Why art thou cast down, O my soul?" He says, "Have hope in God." I want you to have hope in God because of God's word is sovereign. He works all things after the counsel. Of his will, and he does it by His word. Listen, after God created Adam, sixteen centuries went by before it ever rained on Earth. You believe that? That's right. Sixteen centuries before it ever rained. And how did it what it watered from the ground? And then when God decided that he had enough of putting up with man's disobedience? He sent it, started raining. In Genesis 6, and it really rained. It rained so much that it flooded. But he told Noah, before all that happened, who found grace in his sight, to build a big boat. And Noah did it according to God's word. God didn't say, Noah, now you build it like you think it ought to be. He said, you build it like this. This is how long it is, how wide it is, how deep it is. This is what you make it of. And not only that, according to Genesis 6, God, by his word, caused all the animals to come into the ark. Do you think Noah had to get out and round them all up? (laughs) Wouldn't that be silly? That would be a task. No, God's word did it. Don't you know that God is in control? He's sovereign even over the animals. I want you to sit around the campfire of God's word for me with with me a minute. You know what? Matthew 10 talks about the sparrows and how God takes care of them. He knows when one falls. And he says, you are much more valuable than a sparrow. You know, there's woods we've never been into. And there's little birds deep in the dark jungle that fall every day. Did you know God decides when that little bird falls? Do you think that's just haphazard? No, no, it's not. God controls all that. God controls uh, the weather. He does. God controls it all. He tells us in his word that all the winds he controls, the rains, and we have a way of, kind of watering that down. Well, that's just nature, uh, process of nature, (laughs) you know. You got to know that God is sovereign over nature, okay? So when you complain about the weather, did you know you were complaining about God? That's what you're doing. That's why we should be so dependent on God, bowing down to him, asking his blessings because he's in control. Not only that, God is control of all nations. Second Chronicles 20, King Joseph said that, God, you're controlling all the nations. And he does. Proverbs tells us that he, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. And so when we think about that, even, uh, even in our own lives... Uh, Look at Proverbs 16, if you got your books with me open just a minute. I want you to, I'm just talking about the sovereignty of God. I pray that we sit around the campfire. I mentioned that, didn't I? Here's what I want us to think about. When you really embrace thy word, God's word as being truth and that God is controlling, you can sit around that campfire. You've been there before. I just like to do it sometimes. It makes you feel good. It really does. Maybe it's the stars that's glittering through the smoke. I don't know. Maybe it's the camaraderie that we have. But, but I'm going to tell you, what happens, you come away saying life is worthwhile. Suffering is worthwhile because of God's Word. When I got up from Upper Black Creek Church with my wife, weeping because of the, going out to the cemetery to bury my son, do you think I was ready to give up? No. I was ready to rejoice that it's worthwhile to suffer because God is over this and God's purpose I might not understood it I might not have wanted it but I'm gonna tell you many times our disappointments are only God's appointments and you just gotta give it to him you gotta surrender it to him and base your life upon the sovereignty of God's Word now what is our responsibility in that are we just puppets no what where our responsibility is that we believe and work and live according to God's Word. That's what we do. And you, we will have religions telling you, and this is most popular, that we're just free agents. Every person is a free moral agent. You won't find that in the Bible. It sounds pretty good to a religious heir, you know, well, I can, I'm just a free moral agent. When Adam sinned, you became dead in sin. You are not a free moral agent. When you have been born again, you then have the ability to sin and the ability not to sin. But before that, when we're dead in our sins, we have the inability not to sin. We couldn't do it any other way. Only God can give us that grace. Why? Because of his word. His word is what speaks life into our, our hearts. And we need, to, we need to bless that. I remember, uh, you know, another thing about a hammer. You don't have to have a big education to use a hammer. I mean, you don't have to have a doctorate degree. It's fine to have one, but you don't have to have one to use a hammer. You don't. I, I remember at Georgia Southern uh, University years ago, I hadn't been here long, they asked me to go over to the panel they were doing, and one of the religious places over there classes and they wanted an idea of different religions like we of course embraced the reformed doctrines of grace there was a free will preacher there um, there was a, a priest i remember two or three different ones and and the deal was we give a a short spill on what we believed or the scriptures taught and then the the kids the students could ask us questions and that's the dangerous part, that part. But I remember, I remember this one guy, the, the free will preacher who, who I really liked, was there and he was explaining what well, everybody's, you know, got a free will. And God was kind of surprised that sin ever came in the first place. And so there was a young man, I still remember this little guy, might have been a freshman, he was kind of nervous, but he stood up. I remember that he stood up in the back of that classroom during that question and answer session and he held his Bible up he said to the free will preacher, but sir, my, and he was nice about it, polite and humble. He says, my Bible says, and he read Ephesians 2, but ye were dead in sin. And the guy just looked at him. He says, well, something like, well, that don't really matter or something like that. But but what he couldn't get around was that hammer had been laid down. That's what God says. Now, that was against the flesh and often against religion, but that's the truth. That's what God says. Now, when God breaks your heart, God breaks the heart of a stone-cold believer, and he does it with his word. He doesn't do it with the preacher. He doesn't do it with the Sunday school class. He does it with his pure, holy word. That's what he does, and what a blessing that is. And so we can rejoice in that and say that. Uh, I would ask you to go to Proverbs 16 and verse 33. Look at that. It talks about how God is involved in our little decisions every day, just, just haphazard things. And we just think, well, you know, God's not involved in that. But he is. God's involved in, in small things. He's involved in all things. We just read that, didn't we, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in Proverbs sixteen thirty three it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You know what that means? That means that, you know, it, the decisions we make, we make them. I'm sure we do. Uh, but, but, but the whole thing's up to God. Um, what a blessing it is. Look at the first verse of Proverbs 16. The preparations of the heart of, in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Sovereignty of God, thy word, the word of God. So we see that God's word is sovereign that meets our needs. And what we need is the sovereignty of God. We need to know that we have a light and a lamp. We have a God that is able to do all things. And when we have that, we are able to fight the fight of faith that we got to fight. See, what good is something pretty and something kind of feely touchy when we got a burden to carry? What good is that to do when I got to stand up here, some preacher has, and tell the loved ones of a family something about during a funeral service? Where am I going to get something from? It's got to come from a book of truth, okay? How are we going to live and deal when we got to fight the fight of faith? You know what battles are. Everybody in here does. You know. I don't know what you're going through, but I guarantee you, Everybody in this room, it doesn't care what kind of house you live in, how much it's worth, whether all your debts are paid or not. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of hurt behind every door and every house. I know that. I do. I got them too. You got them. And we got a word of God. We got to hammer it out though, And we got to trust Him and believe Him. It's a work in progress, and we need to be working on the building. So the first thing I wanted to say is that we that we see that, God's Word is sovereign, and so that meets our needs. That, and we need to be thankful for that and, and to bless God in that He meets our needs. Now, mention I wanted to use the analogy of the blacksmith. Turn with me to Psalm 66 for just a moment. And verse 10 through 12, I believe is the verses I wanted to use. In verse 10 of Psalm 6, vision 66, for thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. So my first point was, was thy word is sovereign and it meets our needs because God is sovereign. I don't know if you ever thought about that analogy, but it ought to be. Not our wants, but he meets our needs. Nothing can come to our life that doesn't come through God. Good, bad, and evil. What needs to be the banner over our life is Genesis 50, 20. When Joseph said to his brothers, when he was revealed who he was and how they had treated him, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, brothers and sisters, that would apply to every sin you've ever committed. You hear me? You know, that's how it is. God uses it, and he breaks your heart with it. And he uses it for his glory. And so we see that. And and here, secondly, he melts our heart because his word is sovereign. And that's what this blacksmith does. It says, he says, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net, thou laidest affliction upon our loins, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place now that's God's Word if you think about your life what really has made a difference in you you be honest with God in this is the heartbreaks of your life if you really think about it it's not it's not those hunky-dory areas of life thank God we have some but what really matters is the strange you've been in what really matters is the brokenness that you've been able to face Because when that happens, is when God was using you and blessing you by his sovereign word. Your, Your life became then measured by God's word. I mean, that's where we look for God. When we can't find anything else and we understand, oh, God, your word is so precious, means so much in our lives. And so this blacksmith, again, takes, and I see God in this. He says in this text, his fire and his hammer, and he takes us. Because you gotta know that that clay, like it's kind of the analogy of the potter and the clay to me here. God is sovereign, so he's the potter, and we're the clay. And in metal and in and in clay, there's no no something thrown away. It's all reusable. There's for a believer, a child of God, listen to me, there's no limit to second chances. There's not. What God is doing is taking our lives and shaping us and molding us. Don't you give up on yourself or anyone else. You keep hammering away. You never know what God's Word, how He's going to use it to break in their lives. But, but what God does in this, in this metal, He refines it. He shapes it like that blacksmith. And, and so he, he knows how to heat it, how hot to get it. And then when it's soft, He shapes it, you know. And then He, he, he brings it to that shape He wants it, and then He puts it in water, you know. I think about baptism. Water baptism should be what reveals to us our desire to be committed to serving the Lord Jesus. You need to think about that. Maybe you need baptism. We do, okay? What does that mean? It means that is an inward expression or an outward expression of an inward uh, uh, aggression or, or difference in God's life that he's given us in Christ to live for Him. And so being baptized is kind of like a shock that we need. That yes, I'm publicly willing to say, I want to serve God. I might not do it all like I want to. I know that I'm so weak. But I'm going to tell you, I need it. I need it. I need to express that. Because God says do it. And I need to do it. Because I need God. And I want to stay close to Him in our lives. So we see that. So we see... First of all, thy word being sovereign meets our needs. What a blessing, what a comfort that ought to be to us, especially living in the world we're living in. And then, secondly, it melts our heart. It just, nothing melts your heart. It shouldn't or it couldn't any more than the cross of Jesus Christ on Calvary. How Jesus died for us, sinners like us, he gave himself for us, suffered horrifically to pay our sin debt. Now, my friends, that should melt us. Thinking of what Jesus done for us. We want to be, when we face the sins of life, like Joseph in Potiphar's house says, Lord, how can I do that and commit a sin against you? And yet, we're so inclined to sin, and we need God's Word to just keep hammering us and breaking us out in our lives. And then, you know, I thought about the, the hammer makes us like Jesus. The sovereignty of God's Word makes us like Jesus. That's what He saved us to be, like Christ. Not what we want to be, but more like Jesus. And so we can rejoice today. I hope we can. understanding that Jesus, He came to do Father's will. He said, I come always to do your will. And that's how we need to to be surrendering our lives and, and to deal with God's Word. If you feel cold and you feel unworthy and you feel like, you know, I'm just ready to give up, you get into God's Word. You you don't have to go shopping at the mall or play around the golf. You don't have to drink a beer. What you need to do is get in God's Word. You get in God's Word and you get serious with God's Word and I'm going to tell you, God will, will hammer out things in your life. He will shape and mold you and show you things that you didn't even know about. I'm, I'm going to tell you, we have a wonderful God who's given us a wonderful book, and we need to get into it and understand it, that he's, he's, a, he's supreme, that he is sovereign, that his word stands. And it, doesn't, it never gets out of date. It doesn't matter what society says. It's God's book, and I pray that we can live it, and God will use us, to, to be living examples of His Word. Many of you young parents have this profound obligation and responsibility as you bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of God's Word. You keep hammering. Many of us have loved ones that don't seem to be as close to God as we want them to be. You keep hammering God's Word. Lots of times that, that, that hammer, that last hammering, you, you never know what the others did. Every prayer makes so much difference. And let's say one now to close. May the Lord bless you. Lord, we thank you for your hammering word. Keep hammering us, oh God. Thank you for breaking our hearts, separating us from sin. As dramatic as it has to be, we are so hard-headed, even stubborn. But you, Lord, won't give up. And if you have to send a fire to melt us, you will do it. We've experienced that, many of us. And if we haven't, we surely will. We thank you, though, that your word is true. And that in the end, all things do work together for good to them that love the Lord. Those that are called according to your purpose. We rejoice to see the good you're working out of even the chaos and the dissension and the irreverence and the turmoil we have in this world today. Bless your church and your people. Bless thy word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.